0: Hey, my name is Alan Bishop. I'm the uh, kids director at Rockbridge. I grew up uh, going to church. I grew up knowing who Jesus was. I feel really fortunate uh, to have understood the difference at a young age between life with Jesus and life without Jesus. Uh, But it really wasn't until I was a little bit older that I understood life with Jesus was so much greater than just looking forward to eternity, that I could experience the kingdom of God now. And when I realized that, there was almost instantaneous freedom from uh, what the world wanted me to be, who the world said I was. The most important thing was who God said I was, and that I could have a relationship with Jesus that was fulfilling and fruitful and meaningful. And one of the cool things about uh, living for Jesus and uh, striving to be like Jesus is that we don't ever have to do it on our own. You know, God gave us the church. He gave us a group of people who understand what it's like uh, to deal with hard times and hard problems, who can uh, join together with us to support us and lift us up, who can share good times and bad times, who can uh, all strive to be like Jesus together.
1: Well, good morning, Rockbridge. My name is Matt. I want to welcome you wherever you have gathered up in Tennessee. We welcome Hickson and Cleveland, and in the northwest Georgia area, we welcome Ringgold, Dalton, Chatsworth and Calhoun. Thank you uh, so much for being here today. We're in part three of this series that we've been talking about called Be uh, Like Jesus. But before we go there, I I just want us to celebrate for a minute. This past weekend, we had, uh, I don't know, north of 400 of our teenagers hanging out in our Calhoun campus and spending the night last night in homes For We Are One weekend and uh, just a fantastic uh, time for our young people to come together, worship together, have fun together, uh, pray together. I think I've got some video here just to show you a little bit of highlights of what was going on down in our new ministry platform in Calhoun. Uh, I think north of four, 450 or so young people hanging out. So fantastic. They're going to kind of invade the 11 o'clock service in a little bit and uh, probably need some sleep. Uh, soon thereafter. But thank you, as always, for investing uh, in the next generation and allowing us to do these uh, events, these moments that uh, really become mile markers in uh, young people's faith Journeys. Well, we're on a journey together, and we're on a journey called Be Like Jesus. And let me just kind of highlight what we've talked about. We've said, hey, growing up, all of us wanted to be like somebody. We want to be like an athlete. We want to be like a movie star. We want to be like an uncle or a grandmother. We wanted to be like, you know, maybe our mentor in our job or, or something to that effect. And we said, you know, that's pointing us somewhere. That's pointing us that ultimately God's purpose for us, God's priority on our lives and earth is to shape our lives so that we're like Jesus, that we're reflectors of who He is. So we do our job as if Jesus, how would Jesus do our job? We spend money the way Jesus would. We invest our time, raise our families, conduct marriage, handle singleness, all of those things the same way that Jesus would. And so that's kind of the progressive journey that we've been on for the last couple of weeks. Now, today, we're going to talk about this word, and and all of us understand this word, important. Important is something you value, it's something you want, you cherish, and you desire. So, Well, by way of exercise in your mind, if I just said, hey, list the two or three or four or five top most important things to you, you would have no trouble doing that because what's important to you dominates your thinking, maybe your praying, it dominates your anxiety or your stress or your affections and your emotions. It is not very difficult. It's just something that is true of all of us. Human beings have this ability to choose and rank what is important in a way that you know, other animals or the animal kingdom don't have, that we just walk around and do and live and think and pray and focus on and aim for what is most important to us. Now, he, he, here's, the, here's the key thing that maybe we've not thought about, and this is why this becomes so important in our Be Like Jesus journey. We always do whatever we deem to be most important, and here's the key phrase in the moment. In the moment, like in in the moment when the car cuts you off in traffic, you're going to do what you think is most important. In the moment when you get the phone call and someone's or the text that says, hey, I've got some bad news, there's there's something that's going to come out of you in the moment that you deem to be reflective of what is most important to you. So even though we may have a list of four or five or six things, and man, God and family and job and my kids and, and my, my, my fiancé or, or whatever, or my, 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 my the, the ministry I do out in the community, these are the most important things to me. In the moment, they might not actually look that important. And so in the moment, we might not actually look like Jesus. And that's why understanding this dynamic right here is so important in our Be Like Jesus journey. So here's what it would look like, right? If my head has clear priorities of what's important, my heart ranks them, my heart or my affections and things, then I'm always going to act and show what's going to come out of me in my choosing, in my living, in my deciding, in my attitude. Then all of that stuff is going to be aligned to what's important. So uh, just everything lines up. But what happens is in the moment, uh, something else may creep up, something else may go down, our priorities may get out of whack, and we don't always do what we say is important, but we always do what's important in the moment. And that's the dynamic we've got to unpack, and that's the dynamic we've got to explore in order to make sure we have some momentum to be like Jesus. Because speaking of important, would you not say this is true? We find it's hard to keep what is actually important important. Uh, Now think about that. We we might say, hey, here's my top three, four, five things that are important. But, you know, a a lot of times we've uh, sacrificed you know, family for work. A lot of times we've sacrificed, you know, time with God for bed or sleep or another round or whatever, right? So we can say and talk and write down what's most important, and we're always going to do what's most important in the moment, but human beings, we find it's really hard to keep what is actually important as important, And so in our journey to be like Jesus, if we say, hey, there is nothing more important than becoming and be on this journey to be like Jesus, we're going to find it hard to keep being like Jesus important in our jobs. We're going to find it's hard to be like Jesus when we're around difficult people. We're going to really find it's hard to be like Jesus when we've got a choice between comfort and sacrifice. We're going to find it's really hard to be like Jesus because it's really when, when we're angry, and so, how do we keep what's important as important? And I, let me give you a simple, mundane example, okay? So, you get up in the morning, and you're going to work, and you discover there's one cookie left, right? And, man, you love your family, and your family is awesome, right? And you have no greater priority, besides maybe Jesus or God or whatever, than your family, okay? But you really want this cookie. <clears throat> you really want it. And so, you kind of like tuck it away, and you're like, you might, you know, depending on your family, you may hide it, okay? Because when you get home from work, you want cookie, right? I mean, that's gonna be your reward for a long day. And remember, 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 your heart kind of rises and falls on importance. So all day in the back of your mind, you're a cookie monster, right? You are thinking cookie, 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 and you cannot wait until you get home and get that cookie, right? And then what happens? You get home and you go and you open it up and cookie gone. And and in that moment, what's important to you is not having a sweet, nice, gentle, man, everybody loves everybody house. In that moment, who took my cookie, right? And you yell it out. And let me just tell you something. When you yell it out that way, ain't nobody in your house going to answer your question. I mean, your son is going to go mow the yard. You mowed it yesterday. I think I missed a spot. And he out the door. Everybody's busy like, like they're scurrying like cockroaches when you turn a light on. Because you have raged. Because in the moment, cookie was more important than family. Now, I know we're all guilty, right? This is a good cookie. I get it, right? But if we are going to sustain being like Jesus, then in the moment, what's got to be most important is being like Jesus. Because, listen, listen, listen. It's not just one little cookie. But it's a cookie here and a cookie there. And you add up all the cookie moments and you're like, Man, I'm not looking like Christ to my kids. I'm not looking like Christ to my spouse. I'm not looking like Christ in my job. Because there's just a thousand little cookie moments. Because in, but in the moment, that's what's most important. But if I'm here at church and, I'm, and the pastor asked me to write down a list, I'm like, well, God and family and being nice and golden rule. But in the moment, it's cookie, 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 cookie. So thankfully, we got a good teacher better than me, and his name is Jesus. If you turn with me to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 6, we're going to navigate with him as he continues his Galilean ministry. We start in Luke chapter 4, and we'll just keep moving forward as he teaches us this journey of being like himself. So after coming down with them, them is the 12. He's just chosen his 12 apostles. He stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples, and a great number of people. So we have three groups of people, the apostles, and we we have their apostolic teaching and apostolic authority with us today. So we have the apostles' collection with us today. That's the Word of God. The disciples, students of Jesus, people who are learning to live their life as if Jesus would live it, and then just kind of a crowd of people. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now, there's a shift that happens in Luke chapter 6. Up until this point, we've been focused on miracles. In Luke chapter 6, there's no miracles. We focus on hearing. Jesus is going to preach to us and teach us how to be like him. And and this to hear is kind of called an infinitive of purpose. So it indicates that the, the crowd's number one reason of gathering this day was not to get healed but to hear Jesus and those tormented by unclean spirits they were made well. So then the whole crowd was trying to touch him and because power was coming out of him and healing them all, then looking up at his disciples, people who were wanting to learn how to be like Jesus, wanting to learn how to follow him, he said and then he speaks and he gives a long sermon and this accords with what we see in Romans where Paul says faith comes from what is heard. So if we're going to align our head, our heart, our hands, faith begins with what we hear. We receive it as truth, we value it in our heart and we live it out in our hands. And that's and so faith starts with knowledge of truth, then we value or cherish that truth in our affection center or our heart and it comes out of our choosing, our speaking and our living. So here's what Jesus says. He's going to teach us who's really happy in the world. And he says this, "Blessed are you who are poor, uh, because yours, the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and they exclude you, insult you, slander your name is evil, because of the Son of Man. So all of these people are going to be happy. Now everybody's like, no, 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 that's the, ant- that's the opposite of happy. So hold on, he's, gonna, he's teaching now. And then he says, rejoice in that day, so be happy in that day, and leap for joy. Well, what day is that? When you're insulted, when you're oppressed, when you're excluded, when you're poor, when you're not satisfied, just rejoice in that day, and then take note. Because all of us are like, man, how, do I, how can I be happy? You know, when, when I don't get my cookie, how can I be happy? How can I rejoice in that day? He says, take note. So listen, this is how we're going to be happy. "...because your reward is great in heaven." And he points us past this life. He points us to the the eternal life, the eternal kingdom that he's inaugurating. "...for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets." And and, and so what Jesus is doing is he's really focusing us on on the, the full scope of our lives. And so here's what he's saying. He's like, look, there's some things in your life that are not right right now, okay, the, the, and he's talking about more than spiritual hunger or more than physical hunger or physical poverty. There's some things in your life that are not right right now. But they're really not yet right because you have a king who's establishing a kingdom who's going to reverse everything and make everything good and everything happy. And so he says, look, the best is yet to come for my students. The best is yet to come for my disciples. The best is yet for, to come for people who have faith in me. And so what he's doing here is he's pointing us to a different way to organize our life, a different way to live, and a different way to understand the kingdom of God and life. And basically it looks like this. He's going to say, look, this little dot here represents earth, and this represents forever and eternity. And he says, look, Sometimes what's going on on earth is not God's will, is not the way God intended it, is not where our, not going to make us completely happy, but he's like look, I don't want you to live for this dot called earth or your earthly existence. I want you to live for eternity. And so my disciples are learning now. The most important thing now is learning to be like me. And then they're going to be rewarded for that and, and spend eternity with me. And so he says, look, don't put so much weight on your 60 years or your 80 years or your 100 years. Don't, don't lose sight of forever because it gets blocked by what's going on in your life right now. So he says, look, all of your hope is a reward that's coming out here Not right here on the little dot we call earth or we call our earthly existence. Now, Peter is going to teach on this more. In 1 Peter 1.3, he says this. He says, get your minds ready for action. Be sober-minded and set your hope completely, completely is 100% on the grace, free, unearned, undeserved grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, don't set your hope here, set your hope here. And the reason why you can rejoice in that day because of what's coming next or that the best is yet to come is a lot like what happens when you know you're going on a vacation. So when you know you're going on a great vacation and you're fired up about it, You can handle a bad day at the office, right? You can handle a bad day at work. So let's say you're going on vacation, and Friday at 5 o'clock, you are out of there. And so on Friday, you have the worst possible day. I mean, things go wrong. Things go bad. You get bad news. But you're thinking out here, so you're like, I don't care. Nothing's going to take my joy because of what's coming down the road because in about 12 hours, I'm on the beach, you know, and, and everything's good. And you're efficient on that day and you're focused on that day because you know something better is coming. And so Jesus says, all of you who are struggling here on earth this day... Look, my reward for my disciples is coming out there. So look, you can rejoice and because something better is coming and your reward is good. And, And so what he's trying to do is help us in the moment. Remember what we said, in the moment, we don't always do what's most, you know, we don't always do what we say is important. We do what we feel is important. So what he's saying is in the moment, don't lose sight of what's most important. But in the moment, let where things are going outweigh things that are actually happening. So in the moment, you stay looking like Jesus. It's kind of where the teaching that he's doing is going. Now he does this in a gifted way because he's a better teacher than anybody, right? He does the positive, now he does the negative. He says, woe. Woe is bad news. Woe is condemnation. Woe is curse. He says, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. And a lot of us are like, oh, no, 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 Jesus, Jesus, just no, 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 no. I don't know if I agree with you on that one. I, I, and, and he's not condemning you for having material possessions or condemning anybody for being rich. He's just like, if that's all you're hoping for, if that's all you're living for, you're going to get, that's all you're going to get. He says, woe to you who are now full for you'll be hungry. So if you're not looking forward to anything in the future that is God-given, God-ordained, and God-promised, he's like, look, if all you're living for is earthly fullness, then that's all you're getting. He says, woe to you who are now laughing, for you'll mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. So if you're just living for the applause and the approval of other people, then you're going to get your reward now, but you're not going to get it later. And so we start to realize what happens to us is we start to, in the moment, let the cookie matter more than our family. In the moment, we start letting things that are happening on earth matter more than the eternal movement that our king has inaugurated and that our king is going to carry on to completion. And so, whatever we deem is most important in the moment is what we live like. Because your heart always reflects its treasure in the moment. So, in the moment, if my treasure is the cookie, my family doesn't look all that important. Now, we would say in church, yes, family, your cookie didn't make anybody's list. But in the moment, it did, right? Right? And so what Jesus is trying to say is saying, look, 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 earth is just a moment. And and some days you're going to get the cookie and some days you're not. But live for where this thing's going to end up, not for where it is today. And so what he does is he gives us really two categories for important. Two categories. And when Jesus goes black and white, you got to resist the temptation to make it gray. So he's going to go black and white here. And, and, and this forces us to choose sides. It, 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 we can't play games with our soul because what's the most important in our soul is what we live like in the moment. So he gives two categories. And his two categories are the category of now on earth or later in eternity. That, that's the two categories. And he says, look, you're living in the moment for one of those two categories. That's it, blessed and woe. That's, that's all. that and, and he's being very black and white. So you can look into your heart at any given moment and see what's most important and realize you are going to show what's most important out of your hands, out of your words, out of your actions. So, so even though my words and my, my little piece of paper that I wrote down in church says my family's most important, in that moment it's all about cookie. E- even though we would say money can't buy happiness, you just look at my checkbook and you think, well, I think you might think it can So he's just saying, look, we got to be black and white so we can't play games with our heart. Now, Jesus will say a version of this again in Luke 16. He says it this way, it's impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. Now, think about that. That, That's where we, this is where we deceive ourselves, right? Because we'll say things like, man, God's number one. But in the moment, he looks like a distant fifth. Right, We'll say, my family is number one, but in the moment, it looks like cookie's number one. And and, and so, we play these games with ourselves. And and when we get done at at the end of the day, nobody's saying, nobody's praying prayers of confession or prayers of repentance and saying, hey, God, I I missed so many moments today. Because in our minds, we're thinking, no, 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 you're number one, God or family's number one, God, or job's number two, and family's number one, God. But then if you look back over your day, you're like, man, I spoke to that person like they were a piece of trash because they interrupted me. Man, I spoke to my waitress after church because she wasn't as timely as I thought she should have been, and I was hungry in the moment. And we just go on and on and on, and is it any wonder the church doesn't look anything like Jesus. Jesus. Because we're living for the same thing the world's living for, which is the moment of earth. Now, the powerful thing that Jesus is trying to show us is this. At this point, his kingdom is not a function of location. It's a function of the condition of our heart. And in our heart, if we put him and eternity and what he's doing and his purpose and his priority, if that sits on the throne, the kingdom of heaven is wherever we go. This is why you and I as Christ followers have the capacity to be missionaries, have the capacity to show the world what Jesus likes is like wherever we go if we win the battle for what's most important in the moment. Jesus says it this way going back to Luke's gospel. The kingdom is not discovered in one place or another for God's kingdom realm is already expanding within some of you. And that is my ultimate prayer for this series is that over time we start looking more and more like people who live under the kingdom of Jesus Christ than under the kingdom of the earth or the kingdom of money or the kingdom of drugs or the kingdom of power or the kingdom of greed or whatever. Paul says it this way, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now notice, living a life, head, heart, hands, a line. This, this is our theme verse. Anyone who says he's a Christian should live as Christ did. How did Christ live that way? Because in the moment, in the moment, he always lived what was ultimately most important. There was never a discrepancy. Let me remind you of a story or, or tell you a story. Jesus is going to the cross, and it's a night before he's arrested, or night he is arrested and betrayed by his friends. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> it's a moment, right? In that moment, he's sweating. He's so stressed out, he goes into a medical condition where out of his sweat glands, blood comes, actual medical condition. That's how stressed he is. And he's saying to his dad, he's like, Dad, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want do to do it. says it three times. But each time he says, but not what I will, but what you will. And he did what was most important. Not in the moment, but eternally. He paid the price, paid my sin, paid your sin, died in my place, died in your place. So that you and I could have an eternity of goodness and joy and pleasures forevermore. That's the guy we're following. That's the guy we're trying to be like. So we got to win the battle of what's most important in the moment. Now, God has set our heart up to help us with this. Our heart's going to respond to the right things. I mean, He's designed your heart and my heart to respond to promises from a reliable authority. This is how your heart and my heart's wired to respond. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist or Christian or non-Christian. I I used to go to church. I don't go to church anymore. Uh, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm not walking with Jesus. Our hearts always respond. We respond to promises. A warning is a promise. Don't touch the stove. You'll get burned. A a, a good promise is is the same thing. Hey, if you do that, I'll give you $30. I mean, the, the heart responds to that. These warnings and these blessings, these promises, are ways for the heart to discern what is most important. Now, they have to come from a reliable authority. This is what parents do, and parents pass that off, ultimately, to a a better father, a perfect father in heaven. This is why the Word of God is a book full of promises, and we say it's a reliable authority. But your heart's going to respond to a promise, for better or for worse, no matter what. I mean, so 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 take so take money. Money it, it can be an authority. Money has promises. Okay, right? Credit card companies have promises. Sex has promises. Power has promises. Greed has promises. Porn has promises. Getting angry has a promise. Saying four-letter words has a promise. Everything we do has a promise, and instantaneously, your heart is. Just whew, whew, whew. So we go back to our cookie story, right? I mean, your heart was captured by a promise of a cookie at the end of the day, right? And in the moment, you felt like your anger would deliver more than your patience and or forgiveness and or understanding, right? That's our story, isn't it? So listen to how Peter describes this concept. Here's what he says. He goes, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Now, again, this is where you're tempted, and I'm tempted not to believe the Bible because we're like, no, 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 God, everything, well, do you know who I work with? Do you know know my bank account? God, God, do you know my past? Do you know my history? No, no, I, I mean, let's just take the Word of God as the Word of God. Remember, it's a reliable authority, so God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So, what is it saying? What is he saying? This is, you have found the reliable authority the moment you discovered the glory and excellence of Jesus. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us what has he given us? Great and precious promises that our hearts are wired to respond to. These are promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. And they enable you to be like Jesus and escape the world's corruption. Because remember, the world's temporary caused by human desires. That's it. So our, our, our goal here is just sort of to live in the moment for the movement. We live in this moment called earth or called our 20s or called our singlehood or called our midlife, or our our marriage, or our our, our job now. We live in this moment for this ultimate movement. And, And so what we're trying to do is ask ourselves is this, if I know where Jesus is taking me, and where Jesus is taking this whole thing called history, how now should I live in this moment? How should I live when my cookie gets gone, right? How should I live in this moment? And that's the question he's posing to us because it, it eliminates duplicity in the heart, brings clarity into focus, and we suddenly, like, oh, if I really believe the best is yet to come way, way, way out here, and it's coming from Christ, not from sex, not from career, not from this, not from that, it's coming from Christ, how do I live in those moments? Now the rest of Jesus' sermon is basically a way to look at your heart and do a heart check and, and know how you're living in the moment. Now, the first heart check is is in the realm of relationships. And and Jesus goes nuclear. He doesn't soft pedal. I mean, he's a toe-stepping preacher, right? I mean, he does not batter. You know, he doesn't dilly-dally. He goes right to this. Here's here's the heart check. He says, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Oh, Jesus, why do you have to start with enemies? Why couldn't you start with people I like? They're hard enough to like. Why couldn't you, you start with enemies? Because he's going to the heart. Listen to what he says. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the other cheek, offer the other also. If anyone takes your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. And he gives the golden rule. He says, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. So he's painting a picture. He's like, If you're living for the movement, if you're under my kingdom, you're going to treat people better than other people in the world do. So even sinners, you know, you know, lend to get given back. He goes, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Now, what, what's going to motivate us? That? Because in our hearts, we've decided what's most important. Then your reward, where God's taking things, the movement will be great. You will be children of the Most High. You'll reflect God, for He is gracious. God is gracious. Remember, trying to be like Jesus, be like God. For God is gracious to the ungrateful and to the evil. Remember, Jesus died for enemies, and we were his, if you're not a Christian, you're God's enemy until you say, Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. I want to be in your family, and and, and so if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to love our enemies the way Jesus did, so he says, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Now, do you know why? Do you know why we find it hard to love people, love our enemies? is because it's really just one reason. You and I believe that if when we're living for the dot, we're living for the earth, right? Here's what we believe. People will either make me happier or people can take my happiness away. And so either I see you as a means to my happiness or I see you as a threat to my happiness. So Jesus says, let's take the people who are a threat in our old thinking the the, the enemy. Let's take your enemy that before you met Christ, when all you were living for was the earth, when all you were living for was your 50 years or your 100 years, then, then let's take that category of people. They were a threat to your happiness if all we got is this little dot called and our existence on it, this little dot called earth and our existence on it. He said, now look, once you realize it's eternity at stake, once you realize the best is yet to come past your existence on earth, what can your enemies take from you? Nothing of value, nothing of eternal significance. And so that's the power. He says, so look, if you put in your heart what's most important, then in the moment when your enemy shows up, you can do good to them. Because they can't take away the movement of your life into the best that is yet to come. The next check is your teacher or what's training you. He tells them a parable. We're in verse 39, chapter 6. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So when we sign up to be a Christ follower, a Christian, we're not signing up to just get baptized, check a box, and then move on. What we're signing up for is to be trained by our teacher. Now, you know, we have to understand, if we're being trained by someone from the world, we're going to fall into a pit. If we're, it, it, The world training the world uh, is, is the blind guiding the blind, but he's inviting us to be trained by him. So in any given moment, you have the capacity to look at your heart, and when your heart is spewing anger, you have to say, who taught me that? You have to look at your heart, and when your heart is impatient, or when your heart is greedy, or when your heart is prideful, you, you say, man, who taught me that? And it's not Jesus. And you realize, in that moment, I've been trained by a blind guide. I've been trained by a blind master. And so what do you do? You immediately repent and say, Jesus, be my teacher. Te- Jesus, I-, I don't know who taught me to respond like that to the cookie. But I need you to retrain me. And you know what Jesus is going to say every single time? Yes. But we have to realize we've got a bad trainer, bad teacher, in order to move to the best one, which is Christ. The third check he prescribes is the fruit kind of what's coming out of our life. Again, he's black and white now, so there's no wiggle room here. There's no excuses. There's no, oh, my situation is different. He's really black and white to force the hearts out of duplicity, the heart into clarity, and then the heart into submission to himself. Here's what he says, verse 43. He says, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. So a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Remember that in in the drawing, head, heart, hands? So in our heart, what are we doing? We're deciding what's important. In the moment, our heart always is going to do what's most important. Even if we say something else, our heart can't lie. It's always going to produce an overflow from what we're deeming is most important. So when we look at the fruit of our lives... What we're hoping to see by God's grace and by God's help is more of Jesus coming out <clears throat> in the cookie moments. What we're hoping to see is more of Christ coming out in our marriages, in our small group, in our kids, and all those other areas of our lives. And so Jesus just gives us a black and white test to say, hey, what's your heart saying? What's the fruit coming out of your heart? And then the final one is our hearing and this is kind of the big promise one, because remember, we started with a sermon, and Jesus started with people who wanted to hear him, and he ends with, hey, how's your hearing? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? Why do you do that? He, and, and the answer is rhetorical, or he knows the answer answers, because in the moment, you think something is more important than what Jesus said. But he goes, I'm going to show you what someone is like who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them. Banks upon them. Trust in them. He's like a person, a man building a house who dug, a di- who, who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and it could, it could not shake it because it was well built to last. It wasn't built for the moment. It was built to last. Jesus is in the life building business. He delivers us. And then he builds us, and then he showcases us as his masterpiece. But in contrast, the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. And so, with four simple stories, Jesus has... Kind of exposed our hearts. And he's done that not because he's wanting to wag a finger in our face and give us condemnation. He's done that because he's like, I'm your teacher. I'm your master. I'm your savior. I'm your life builder. And he's just inviting us to move and take a step closer today. But it starts with what's most important to us. Not here in church where, where, where it's this and this. It's what's most important? in the moment at the dinner table on the car ride when you get paid when you have an opportunity to help or not what's most important and what Jesus would say is say get your eyes off this thing that we call this third rock from the sun get your eyes off your earthly existence and look out the movement of who I'm making you, who I died for you to become. Look out to where one day I'm going to wipe every tear from every eye, and I'm going to establish the world and a kingdom, and I I need rulers and priests, and they're going to be made up of my sons and daughters who have been faithful to build their lives on my words for the movement that I've invited us all to participate in. So are we participating? Are we following? Are we are we letting Jesus build our lives? Let me pray. God, in this moment, we're giving you our hearts just for uh, exposure. Well, God, where there's deception strongholds, we just want to pray for truth to invade. God, God, where where there's clarity, and we realize. Eh, this is, this, is, this, is, this is my battle this week. God, we just pray for your grace and your strength. And Lord, we're thankful. We are thankful for the clarity we have today. Because some of us have been warned by a loving God. Some of us have been encouraged because of the evidence of your fruit and your grace in our lives. Some of us, God, are are just having an opportunity for reflection, which is always healthy. But, God, all of us have a destiny. And that destiny is not to stay the same today or tomorrow, moment by moment. That destiny, God, is to be transformed, moment by moment by moment, cookie by cookie by cookie, into men and women who look like Jesus. Please help us, God. And we thank you. For inviting us to the best life there is, life in Christ. It's in his name we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.